All right, at this time, uh, children who are going to attend Children's Church, if you would meet in the back corner. So children, go there. Everybody else, let's open up our Bible together. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, as we continue on um, with our study. So Matthew chapter 9, if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you uh, either to have a Bible online so you can follow along with us on your phone, or pick up a Bible over on the resource table so you can follow with us as we study Matthew chapter 9. Before we are going to read, I want us to pray. But related to the prayer, we're going to pray for one of our our brothers in the church. So David Mullins, David and Crystal, uh, they're actually out of town. They have family down in Kentucky. Uh, They're down there visiting them. Well, while they were down there, they just got word that David's stepbrother was killed in a car accident this morning. So uh, I just want to pray for the family. So I'm going to pray for our time in the Word, and also we're going to pray for the Mullins family. Then I'll read, and and we'll get going. So, So let's pray. God, we come before you. Uh, We know you are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our weakness so we can comfort others. We pray, God, that you would comfort the Mullins family with the loss of David's stepbrother. Uh, God, we uh, don't know him. We don't know where he stood uh, with you. Uh, We do hope and pray that he was a believer and that he's in your presence, but we are uh, not aware of that. But I do pray for everybody around uh, the, the family dealing with this grief and loss, that it might be a, a means by which that you would draw them to Christ if they don't know Christ. We pray for uh, David and Crystal and the family as they're going to be driving back up here so that he can drive over to Pennsylvania to be near family. So, so just be with them during this time. Uh, God, we want to also pray as we are spending time opening up the scriptures that you might uh, speak uh, to us and, and through your word and that, Lord, it would be life-altering and changing. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're at Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 to 8. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. All right, what is your greatest need this morning? What are you lacking today? Maybe when you were driving this morning, you noticed the the light coming on for your fuel, and you're like, I need gas. That's what I need. I need to get gas on the way home, or we are not going to make it home Uh, Maybe you're hungry. It's 10.30, what time is it? 10.25. Maybe you ate an early breakfast. You're already thinking about lunch. I'm probably sabotaging the sermon now, making you think about food for the the next half hour. Maybe you're just, you need sleep. It's been a long week. I desperately need a nap. Maybe it's healing from sickness. Maybe it's more serious, 
healing from disease. You need wisdom on a big decision. You need money for some unforeseen expenses that you have experienced. You need to answer to prayer. Maybe some of you here are hoping and praying that God would open up the doors so that you might have a child. Maybe you're in a situation of singleness where you're hoping and praying that God would bring that special man or a woman in your life. Maybe you've got a relationship where there's reconciliation needed and you're really just hoping that something would happen and that there would be healing. Maybe you're just lonely and you really deep down, I just, I need to feel loved. I need to feel that I matter. I need to feel that somebody cares about me. And I think we could go on and on with this list. There are a lot of needs. And let's be honest, we are needy people. We need stuff, and not all of those needs are bad. Not all of these needs we speak of are evil or wrong. But one of the, the, the truths that we kind of, we hate to admit is a lot of these needs are outside of our control and ability. Now, getting gas maybe is not as big of a, you can go down to Costco, it's probably a good price this morning. But for a lot of our needs to be met, it requires someone stepping in. It requires someone helping out. And what we're going to see today in chapter 9 of Matthew, arguably, your greatest need is to be made right in our relationship with God. Your greatest need as a sinner is you need forgiveness. And the only way that can happen if somebody steps in, if someone intervenes, if somebody meets that need that you're in, unable to meet, and only that can happen through Jesus Christ. And the gospel, all the other needs that we spoke of today are arguably secondary compared to your need for forgiveness. So that's what we're going to consider today. The one thing you need more than anything, forgiveness and how that need is met in Jesus. Uh, we're going to begin our time by looking at faith in action. We're going to see that faith, true trust and belief in God will always be demonstrated by how we live. So it's more than just words. We'll see it in our way of life. Secondly, we're going to look at faults with accusations. We're going to see faults with accusations. We're going to see the scribes, Pharisees, judging like they always did. They were just good at judging. And then lastly, we're going to see forgiveness by authority. We're going to see that Jesus helps us where it matters most. So let's begin. Let's pick up at verse 1 as we see faith in action. Now, if we were to sum up the last three to four weeks of sermons, I think we could, we could rightfully sum them up under one word, authority. Authority. We've seen the authority of Jesus each week over the last month. We've seen his authority over uh, the physical world. He's been healing people We've seen his authority over nature. He's calmed the storm simply with his words. We've seen his authority over the supernatural realm with casting out the demon-possessed men. And now we're going to see his authority extend into the spiritual realm, and namely in the area of sin and forgiveness. 
Well, as we look at faith in action, one, I want us to see that faith will always be evident. Faith will always be evident. Read verses one to two with me. He says, in getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. Now, this is not where he was born. It's not uh, where he necessarily grew up. It would be Capernaum area. It's where, uh, during his earthly ministry, this was basically the place that he, he, he lived. Uh, it, was, it was his city. And it says, and behold, some people thought brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Notice the perseverance of their faith. But we just read that, and it doesn't seem like it's that big of a perseverance, right? I, they, they simply just bring Jesus the paralytic. Where's the perseverance going on? Well, Mark helps us to understand how much effort it took for them to do what they just did. Mark chapter 2, verse 2. Many were gathered there, so there was no more room, not even at the door. So this is a standing room only event. This is one of those ones where the fire department could come in and say, hey, you have reached maximum capacity. This is unsafe how many people you have here. And it says, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they went home. Nope, that's not what this says. They removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. You see what they did? They were getting to Jesus was so difficult, it did not deter him. My, my younger boys, they love a TV show that's been on uh, for the last several years, American Ninja Warrior. And what it is, is it's an obstacle course show. And they do ridiculous obstacles. And even some of the local places like Sky Zone, uh, Urban Air, they have like little mini versions for kids. But on this one, to kind of give you a glimpse of, of how ridiculously difficult it is, at the end of one part of the course, they have a warped wall. It's a warped wall where it, 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 there's a slight running angle up the wall, but... I'm looking out at all of you, and I don't think anybody's doing this. So, so prove me wrong. I will go with you. The, the, the normal warped wall is 14 feet high. So look at the basketball hoop right there. That's 10 foot the rim. So let's say you're going to be touching right around the top of the backward. If there was a wall there, who thinks they could run up and grab that? Not many of you. Well, they have a mega wall. The mega warped wall is 18 feet so now we're above the metal, like, it's high, and people actually do it. It takes so much ability and effort and stamina and endurance. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, they're kind of going through an obstacle course to get to Jesus, but they're not deterred. Do you understand that? Like, the, the obstacles don't, don't cause their faith to waver. It causes their faith to be what? To be demonstrated, to be displayed, so I, I do want us to start thinking as we start considering our own faith, how easily do you give up when life is tough? How quick are you to stop praying when God is an answer immediately? Because friends, our faith is meant to be a persevering faith. That we don't give up like the persistent widow, we just keep on coming. We, we keep on bringing it before God. 
But not only is it perseverance of their faith, it's really proof of their faith. Listen to what it says there, and it, it's pretty remarkable. And when Jesus saw their faith. I mean, think about it. There is air blowing in here because of the heat. Can you see it? But you can, you can see it, right? Because you can see it by the fact that it's warmer in here this week than last week. Do you understand? It, you, there's a sense where there's validation. Even when you can't see it, you can see it. And what Jesus is saying is their effort, what they did, it shows that they really have faith in Jesus. Hebrews 11, it's the hall of fame of faith. You can read at it later, but in the very beginning it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And he goes through people of faith like Noah and Noah building the ark, even though it made no sense because there's no water. Why are you building an ark? Because there's going to be a flood. I don't see where the flood's coming from. Believe. He had faith. He did it. Abraham He's old, doesn't have kids. You're going to be the father of many nations. But my wife's not pregnant and she's barren. But you're going to be the father of many nations. And what does Abraham have? He has faith. God can see his faith. Moses going uh, to, to Egypt and to, to Pharaoh and delivering the people where it made no sense. He had faith. You see, faith is more than just talk. It is displayed in actions. James 2.18, show me your faith. Apart from your words, and I will show you my faith by my works. And I think some of us might be here today, and we talk a good game. We talk about our faith in Jesus. We talk about our belief in Christ. But if we're really being real with each other, there's very little action validating and showing your faith. And that's not how it's supposed to be. Your life is to be evident of your faith in Christ. It should be seen. Well, can God see your faith today? So we see not only that faith is evident, faith is to come with expectation. I want to read Luke's version of this story. Luke 5, verse 18 and 20. They were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And then it goes on. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. First of all, with their faith, that it came with expectation. I want us to know that they believed Jesus could. And, I, and, and it does, it seems weird when we read this story initially, because we see a paralytic man and that means he's not able to walk, that he's paralyzed. So our first thought when we look at the paralytic man is what does he need? He needs healing. He needs to be able to walk again. So you see them bring him to Jesus. I think the anticipation from all of us would be Jesus is going to make him walk. And Jesus starts with your sins are forgiven. And I think it is actually safe to say that the paralytic man came to Jesus first and foremost because he wanted to deal with the sin. I think that there was stuff going on in his heart and his mind that he needed to go before this person who was to be the Savior. I think there was an ongoing belief. We need to understand this. There was an ongoing belief amongst them, amongst the Jews, that your sins translated into physical suffering and ailments. J. 
John 9, we remember this. He passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and what did his disciples ask? Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Can think of it in more modern times in our country, in the, I think, early 80s, HIV and AIDS came out. What a horrible disease. And when it came out, it was consistently uh, tied to uh, sexual promiscuity and homosexuality. It was the, the area that typically where this disease was, was running wild and taking people's lives in our world. And then Ryan White happened. Ryan White was a teenage boy, and he ended up, he was a hemophiliac, and he had a blood transfusion and got tainted blood, and this poor kid, now it wasn't of who sinned, his parents, no. So there was this sense among there. Now, there is truth that sin is the result of all the stuff we see in this world. At the end of the day, the diseases, if there wasn't sin, there wouldn't be cancer. There wouldn't be heart disease. There wouldn't be all that stuff. Part of the thing is in heaven, that stuff's all dealt with. We won't have disease. We won't have sickness anymore. And there are some times in God's providence and mercy that the result of your sin leads to suffering. But in the midst of all of it, in God's grace, somehow this paralytic man, he was having heart issues. That he needed to deal with this sin. And, and I think that's why Jesus, Jesus isn't just throwing out the sin thing to him. I think Jesus knows what's going on in this man's heart. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Was Jesus capable of stepping into our problems like this? Because not only did they believe Jesus could, I think this is the important thing. They believed Jesus what? Would. They were optimistic. That's why they did the effort. Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. They had the attitude of the, the leper and the centurion. They believed he could and they believed he would, and they came with expectation. They came with expectation. They believed that Jesus was going to step in and, and, and do it. Edison, 1,000 light bulbs failed before he had the one that eventually is why we have lights in this room. He just kept believing even when it didn't work. And I, and I think that is the person of faith. We keep believing. We keep going. We keep trusting. We keep putting it out there to God, knowing that he's going to step in. And in this situation, it's not faith in the process, but it's faith in the person. We believe in who Jesus is, and we believe in what Jesus can do. His reputation precedes himself. And just like these men, I think they ask the question, why not us? Why, why can't we be recipients of his grace and mercy? So what are you going through today? What is that one thing that, man, you are struggling in faith to believe? That you are tr struggling that God is going to step in? And have you stopped? Have you stopped praying? Have you stopped believing? Have you stopped trusting that God can? Because whatever you're going through, now it does not, please hear this, this doesn't mean he definitely will do it like you want him to do it. But he might. Keep going. Keep believing. That's what our faith is. It's evident 
Faith is to come with expectation. Let's now trans, uh, transition to faults with accusations. The shift goes from the paralytics to some bystanders watching this. We center on the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. First of all, I want us to note, they are partially right. The scribes, the Pharisees in this passage, they're partially right. Read verse three with me. Three with me. And it, behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. That is not where I'm getting at. They're going to be partially right. You'll, you'll see elsewhere. Uh, but they're partially right. One, I want us to note God's awareness. Notice that they are talking to themselves. But it says in verse 4, Jesus knowing their thoughts said. It's just a statement said in passing, but that should be one of the most thought-provoking, even scary thoughts you can imagine today. That he knows our, our thoughts. My, I have a, a friend, a couple friends actually, work for a local company that's been real successful. It goes by the abbreviation GPRS, Ground Penetrating Radar System. And what companies do is they hire them. They come in at building locations, and they've got special technology that they've been able to develop and, and get a part of it a, a very uh, early on in this whole field. And they will be able to determine not just where, like, gas lines and electricity lines, but even sinkholes and all this stuff. So it, it saves a company building and all the problems if they hit a gas line, if they go in and uh, build on a sinkhole, and then all of a sudden, I mean, it, it, it's a very uh, useful thing. You understand who the ground-penetrating radar system is of our hearts? It's God. That he knows our thoughts. He sees, he hears, he... They're judging away, and they can't hide it. Mark 2, 8 says, Immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned them within themselves, he said to them. So God, think about that. God knows your hearts. I mean, that, that is, I don't know for you, it's convicting. Yesterday, my son won the TAC championship in basketball against our rival. And it is like Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. Like we just, as Toledo Christian, man, I'm really careful. I'll speak on behalf of me. I'm not speaking for the school. Kind of despise the other team. Like probably, probably I'm not adjusting well to real life. This is eighth grade boys basketball. And this is like life and death. And we beat them. And it was amazing. And the opposing team's best player's dad, we were doing scores together last three games, came up to me and he was classy. Oh, it just annoyed me came up to me and said, you guys are the better team. Great win. Good job. And as I'm listening to him, I'm like, if, they if we would have lost, I would have wanted to say, we're still the better team. You guys didn't deserve. And I felt so, and, and God knows what's going on in my heart. I mean, think about it in the last week, how many thoughts you didn't say, how many inappropriate hurts and feelings you had and God is aware. The reason I'm, I'm beating this drum is because when we get to the forgiveness that we speak of here, I want us to understand we need it. We need that forgiveness. Because all of us here have hearts that when God does the examining, it's not up to, up to par. What's he looking at your heart today? Not only do we see God's awareness, we see their awareness. Here's where they're partially right. 
They're not right that Jesus is blaspheming, but they do make a very poignant, very accurate statement in Mark. Mark 2, verse 6, it says, And now some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. And here is where they're right. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Bingo. That is the question that they're right. They're dead on. They're accurate. They're throwing darts. That's a bullseye. Truth be told, can you forgive sins? Can you? Any, anybody in here forgive sins? Now, you can forgive somebody as we should forgive somebody, but in this whole gymnasium, there is not a single person here that has the ability, has the authority to pardon sin. So in fairness to them, as they look out, they see everybody else, and they make the true statement. They lack the ability. They can't. They can't do that. We lack the ability to, to do certain things in life. I mean, we, you and I lack the ability to cheat death. One of my kids, I don't even know, we're driving to school this week. They brought up Amelia Earhart. And like, there's a, you know, legend. She got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. I said, I think she's still alive. I was just being funny. Uh, I don't think, she, I don't know. And then we start thinking through it. And then we're like, Suri, how old would Amelia Earhart be? 126 years old today. Now, the, the longest recorded person being alive post-Bible years, okay? 122 years. So she could actually be the, the leader in it. Probably not. A few years from now, we can guarantee not, right? So, like, there's things that we lack ability. And one of the things that we lack ability beyond measure is to be in the role of God. We can't offer forgiveness. We can't pardon sin. Isaiah 43, 25, the Lord, listen to what he says. It's I who blot out your transgressions for my own sake. I am the one that remember your sins no more. None of us can be that I. We can't do it. We can forgive somebody, but we can't offer it in a judicial sense. We need divine intervention. Well, do you see the need for forgiveness in your life? Now, where they are partially right, here's the deal, though. They're also horribly, horribly wrong. Read verse 3 to 4. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts, for which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say rise and walk? The valid conclusion that if Jesus is like you and I, what Jesus is doing is blasphemy. But that's where they're wrong. They're wrong on who Jesus is. They're missing the big picture. Jesus is who? Jesus is God. This has happened before, and it always makes me laugh, where a CEO of a really large company walks into a building, and they forget an ID, and the overly eager security guy doesn't let the CEO, this billionaire, into his own company. And most billionaires are not that humble, so, because they're a billionaire. So there's this tension where there's, like, you don't understand. And they'll ask that question. What's the question that they ask? Do you know who I am? And they're like, no, I don't, because you don't have an ID, sir. And then, then 
then. I bet a lot of those situations, the person probably got fired when they actually figured it out. It, it's kind of one of those mistaken identities with these, they're saying, they're asking the right question, but they're not answering it right. Who can forgive sin but God alone? And yet they're listening to God alone preach and teach. Matthew one twenty three. we already saw that in the very beginning of Matthew. The virgin shall conceive, they'll bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means what? God with us. That Jesus is God, the divinity of Christ. They're the ones blaspheming, not Jesus. And once again, in all of that, we see Jesus with what? With patience, with grace, and with mercy. Even though he challenges them, he's still patient with them. Well, do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe in what the Bible says of Jesus? Not only is he the wrong in who Jesus is, the wrong in what Jesus could or can do. Notice what he really wants to draw uh, the attention to, that you may know that I have authority to forgive sin. Because he's God, he has the power and authority. Because he's the son of man, because he has been there from the beginning, he has the ability to do it. I mean, if you and I get stuck with jury duty, and it's a, it's a felony account, it's murder, and you're there, you do not have the ability, even on the jury, in the midst of the trial, to go up to the person and say, hey, you're not guilty Go ahead, you can leave. Is the person gonna get up and like, sweet, hey, take these handcuffs off? No, you don't have the authority to make that kind of declaration. Best case at the end of the jury with, with, a, with the jury of your peers, you guys can, can make a decision and then there's also uh, a judge involved and all of that stuff. But you and I, we don't have the authority to forgive in a judicial sense, but Jesus did. Jesus does. Micah 7.18, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus is God, so Jesus can forgive sin. He wants us to know this. Well, do you believe that Jesus can forgive sin? Do you believe that Jesus has the authority to pardon your sin? All right, we've seen faith in action will be evident with expectations. We saw faults with their accusation. They're partially right, but horribly wrong. And in here, because I think when we read this passage... What tends to be the major, what tends to be the biggest focus of Matthew 9, 1 to 8, is Jesus healing the paralytic. And this is what is possible when people have faith that lame can walk. Just like a leper can be healed, demon-possessed man can be uh, delivered. I don't think that is the passage focus point at all. I think the major reason that God has this in the scriptures is this part. It's the idea of forgiveness. Look at the healing, verses 5 to 7. 
So which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, arise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. First of all, the question, which is easier? Which is easier? I googled that this week. Which is easier? Here's what popped up. Questions on crocheting or sewing. Which is easier, ladies and guys that might do it? Is crocheting or sewing? What is it? Sewing? Crocheting. Okay. I have no idea. Both sound horribly difficult. If I'm making an outfit, it's going to be an interesting Sunday morning when I come up there. French or Spanish language? Spanish? Running or swimming? Running for me. Swimming, I'm a rock. I go in there and might be drowning in the next 10 minutes. Then a random one, front, front split or uh, side split? Front, okay. No split for me, no. <laughs> no. Both extremely difficult. Which is easier, saying forgiveness or healing the paralytic? I think what Jesus is saying is between the two, the easiest thing to say is is your sins are forgiven because there's no empirical evidence. Right there in the moment, he says your sins are forgiven, like, yeah, whatever. Like, they don't get the Lamb's Book of Life. They can't open it like, oh, there, his name's there. I guess that is true. Like, he doesn't have that. So what he's doing is he is validating and proving his authority, proving his deity through the healing you see, by him healing the paralytic, it is also saying that I can offer forgiveness. If I have that kind of authority, I can surely offer authority to make somebody right with God. Matthew eleven five, it's one of the signs of the Messiah. The blind, John the Baptist is wondering, hey, he's in prison. He's not sure if Jesus is the one. He sends people and like, hey, ask Jesus. And Jesus responds with this, go and tell him the blind receive their sight the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. That this healing proves his authority as the Messiah. Does God have purposes in his displays of power in your life? But not only do we see his question, his answer is the miracle. He answered his own question to prove that he has authority. You've probably heard this saying before, proof is in the pudding. Proof is in the pudding. Do you understand what that means? What it, what it means is for a pudding to be good, as we would define good, and that translation, it tastes good, it says good stuff, the proof is going to be when we actually eat the pudding. When you taste it, you experience, like, oh, it, it's really good. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, I have seen food that looks good, that tastes bad, amen? And I have seen food that looks bad and tastes good. Now, I'm a pickyish eater. I want it to look good and taste good, and, and that should be kind of our, our hope. But the proof is in the pudding in this regard that Jesus' authority demonstrated by the fact that he took a lame. And we have no idea how long this person had been lame. We also need to remember in that culture being a cripple, being 
in, in that position physically. They didn't have a bunch of stuff done. They didn't have special parking at the store for handicap. They didn't have, you know, automatic wheelchairs and all of that stuff. That was not a reality. It was a very destitute living. If you didn't have people in your life that were willing to care for you, you were left as a beggar on the side of the road, hopefully and praying that you were getting help for your next meal. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus just says, get up and walk. And he gets up and walk. It was really showing Jesus's authority. And what he's ultimately doing, I think, in this answer is he's saying, I am the reason for all of this. You don't need a temple. You don't need to keep on offering these earthly sacrifices, these priesthood uh, coming before you as your mediator. No, I'm going to do it all. And as we know, as Matthew continues on, Jesus is going to go to the cross on our behalf to offer forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7 in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Well, do you have confidence in Jesus' authority to forgive? Because where we see this healing, we see the hope. I want to finish with verse 8. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. First of all, in the midst of all this, with the authority emphasis on forgiveness, this is a good news passage, right? This is like the best news. When I was younger, my, my grandma was always a big fan of Publisher Clearinghouse. You know what I'm talking about. So Publisher Clearinghouse is like a magazine subscription, and she would always do it because she believed, and it never happened in her 92 years, I think, 92 years of living, she never won it. But I always hoped and prayed for the prize patrol to show up because that's what they do. They show up at the door, and they have this like giant oversized check, and they've got flowers and balloons, and you find out you're going to be getting money till you die, like millions and millions of that. Well, like this is Publisher Clearing House on steroids, the good news that we're talking about, that Jesus not only has authority to forgive sin, I am going to offer forgiveness to you. Why is that significant, friends? Because you and I need forgiveness. The Bible does not paint the best picture of humanity. And we aren't the exceptions to the rule. It's not like all those people around us are a mess. But we're the special ones. The Covenant Church people, we're the best of the bunch. No, Romans very clear, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And during that passage, it goes on and says, there's no one who does good. No, not one. All have turned away. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And then in Romans 6, it says, the wages of sin is death. So we're sinners. We're imperfect. We are rebellious to God. The Bible actually says we're dead in our transgressions and sins. And now we've earned death. It is not looking good for us and in the midst of not looking good, there's the good news of Romans 4. Blessed are those whose deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That we have faith in Jesus through the cross. We have forgiveness. And, and we do in Christ. How much peace and joy does this give you today? That you... 
judicially speaking, are forgiven. When God stands before you on that day, he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Great is your reward. And the reason he's going to do that, not because of what good you've done. It's going to be because of Jesus. That your righteousness is now covered by his righteousness. Because you don't have righteousness on your own. And that's the, the good news in this passage. But here's the problem with the good news. And we know this in our own world. We know this in our own life. It's an ignored news. So it says right here they glorified God. So that seems good, right? Degree of praise, amaze. Mark 2.12 says we never saw anything like this. But as we kind of zoom out and as we kind of hear the rest of the story, Paul Harvey style, they didn't jump on the forgiveness bandwagon. I think they were impressed by the fact that a paralyzed man started walking, but they were not impressed with the fact that somebody could offer forgiveness. And that's where the, the excitement should have been. I mean, we see it all the time in, our, in our, our culture that a certain product will come on the scene and it will be flying off of shelves. That everybody is wanting to try that product. Right now, probably one of the biggest products in our, our country that's like the hot item. Do you know what I'm talking about? What is it? It's a cup. What cup is it? Stanley. Because who doesn't need a cup that has lead in it? That's the rumor now. Like we do, like it was, I mean, I watched a video at Target. There was people fighting for a Stanley cup because it was a certain color, kind of crazy, right? I mean, that's, but isn't that a snapshot of our society and our culture where we misprioritize what really matters? Listen to what Jesus says later on in Matthew about his hometown, because this is the heartbreaking part. He offers the good news that you can be forgiven. You can be right with God because of me. That I can, I can pardon your sins. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will not be more tolerable and that it'll be more tolerable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than you. Because at the end of the day, they were impressed with a paralytic walking, but they were unimpressed with Jesus offering forgiveness. And in their unbelief and in their blindness, they rejected Christ. Well, are you ignoring this good news today? Because friends, this is your greatest need. Understand that. All the things we thought about this morning, and not only is it your greatest need, it's your neighbor's greatest need. Parents, it's your children's greatest need. Friends, it's your friend's greatest need. Your co-worker's greatest need is to embrace Jesus and the forgiveness that is offered to him. And the fact that it's even possible should blow our mind. I mean, sometimes we see things that seem impossible, right? There was a time, the four-minute mile running, impossible. Now it's been done a ton of times. 
There was a time that we thought flying was impossible. And now most of us in here have probably flown on a plane at some point. There was a time where we thought traveling to space, impossible. Now it seems not only possible, like not even that big of a deal anymore. Like, like impress me more. Like, like if you get to Mars, then we'll start being impressed, right? And I think for the longest time, the greatest impossibility was a holy, righteous, perfect God forgiving sinners like you and I. I mean, consider all the other religions. All the other religions don't deal with that. All the other religions, at best case scenario, they cross their fingers and hope that if they've done enough good stuff, God will be patient enough, whatever God that they worship, to at least allow us to not have suffering for eternity. And yet we know the God of the Bible. We know the the passage today that truth in Jesus healing a paralytic doesn't bring the fullness of this text. It's the fact that he not only could heal the paralytic. Because what if Jesus simply heals the paralytic and that's it? What happens is that paralytic gets to continue to now walk and live his life on a slow trajectory to where? To hell. What the paralytic needed was forgiveness, and that's what mankind needs. It's what we all need. I I love local Toledo band, Sanctus Real. Uh, They had a song, one of their biggest hits. It was entitled Forgiven. And listen to the lyrics. I've always just loved this song. The past is playing with my head. Failure knocks me down again. I'm reminded of the wrong that I've said and done, and the devil just won't let me forget. Amen? Have you been there? When you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. And I'm not saying because you have imperfections, you gain a little weight, getting old, getting a little gray. I'm not saying that. But when you look in the mirror, you know the wicked, just sinner that you would be ashamed for other people to know your dirty secrets. And yet, because of Jesus, because of the gospel, because of the, the cross, I'm forgiven. Listen to this. In this life, I know what I've been, but here in your arms, I know what I am. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I don't have to care the weight of who I've been because I'm forgiven. What you need more today than anything, friends, is forgiveness. And if you are in Christ, you are forgiven. Amen? Be at peace. Rejoice in that. Celebrate the freedom that you have in Christ. That life is not tied to you being good, working hard. Now, as a follower of Christ, you will live a life of pursuing godliness and walking by the Spirit. But my standing before God is not based on how good I was yesterday or today or tomorrow. And friends, if you are forgiven, That's a lot of responsibility bestowed upon you. And what that means is you and I need to tell others about this forgiveness, about this good news. And I think even furthermore than not only telling people about forgiveness, we need to extend forgiveness. Probably one of my my biggest challenges is how self-righteous I am. How easily I am unforgiving. How easily I have grudges that build up in my hearts and mind, and my heart and mind. And, and God, if, we, if you really understand, people, that you are forgiven, 
the natural overflow is I need to tell people about this forgiveness and I need to be a forgiving people. But if you're not in Christ today, I want to offer you better news than you just won the Mega Millions lottery. You can be forgiven. You can be right with God for all eternity and all you have to do is turn to Christ. You need to look at the cross you see what Jesus did dying in your place and you need to put your faith and trust in Christ. If you have the son, you have eternal life. These things I write to you so you may know you have eternal life. Wouldn't today be the day to have a new birthday? Not the birthday, but when you were born, but that day that you are born again. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you today and we thank you uh, for the amazing good news of forgiveness. Uh, we ask for forgiveness on the fact that we don't appreciate forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for how often we, we take for granted your grace and mercy. We don't even think twice that you are patient and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. So I pray, God, for anybody here today that is in Christ, that they would just be overwhelmed with gratitude and joy, and peace, and confidence, and satisfaction that I am right with you, not because of who I am, but what you have done. And I, I pray, God, for anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, that today might be the day. Today might be the day where they stop living with this ambiguity and, and this fear and worry about what eternity is going to, to bring them, but that today would be the day that they just give it up and go to you and say, God, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. We pray in his name, his glorious, his, his precious name. Amen. Let's stand. And in light of the forgiveness that we talked about this morning, let's sing in response as we see his mercy is more.